Bible and Crossroads is your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And welcome co-host Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja. Hey, thanks, Marjorie. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. I am excited because I love today's topic. I know that you're going to be excited about it because Mm -hmm. we have so much experience in it. And today we're talking all about managing change. Yay, change. Yay. So don't freak out. Don't stop. Don't turn us off. Wait, there's more. I promise it gets better. (laughs) I think we might be the only two people in the world that like change. Probably. In fact, um, so it's been said by someone who's super intelligent that's not me. Uh, I think Einstein. I think Einstein may have been the person who said it. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. So in that spirit, we know as nonprofit leaders, change, inevitable, right? Totally. Completely always happening. And we, it's necessary, actually, not only for our mission survival, but also for the success as an organization. So the problem is that a lot of people fear change, or at least they tell us they fear change. Yeah. Uh, and so we know the best way to make progress as a leader to tackle head on what we fear the most. So mm-hmm. if you are one of those people that say change and you start running away and you're wanting to turn off our podcast, don't turn it, turn it off. Stop, lean in. Let's mm-hmm. see what we can learn together. But yes. I'm really curious. I want to, I, I want to throw a caution to the wind first and just kind of talk about this, this concept of people fearing change. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think it's true? Do you think people really like are scared of it like they are public speaking or do you do you think it's I think it's more they they fear the adverse the possible adverse effects that might come with the change. Uh, so it's so more, it's not I the change it's itself. More, yeah, I think it's more fear of the unknown and then also the fear of having to get used to doing something else. Yeah. Because you know like if you always put your pen on the left mm. and then all of a sudden your boss comes in and says, "You know what? I want all pens on right." Yeah. And then you keep keep reaching for the left. Like you're comfortable. Yeah, you get used to it. I get that. I I think that that's maybe part of it. But, you know, I think that sometimes it it is really hard when you're working with people who just are very, very entrenched in what they're doing. Yes. And And you'll know these people because they use lots of phrases that we as change leaders hate, Mm -hmm. but they're very common. So Mm -hmm. what's what's one phrase you heard a lot? Mm, My favorite is we've always done it this way. Oh, yes. We always done it this way, people, which Mm -hmm. means we've always done it this way and don't mess with it. Exactly. Because obviously it's working. Mm -hmm. So there's no use fixing it. Right. Why would you? Because it's not broken. No. I mean, well, maybe. Not, well, I mean, in it, their mind. Yeah. It hasn't blown up in our faces yet. And obviously it's been okay up till now. So why change it? Exactly. I think uh, one I hear a lot was, oh, we tried that once and it was such a disaster. Or <laughs> we tried that once and it did not work. And when you ask when once was, it was 17 years ago mm-hmm. or back in 1942 or like... Yes. You know, six boards ago, we tried a board <laughs> retreat and the board didn't like it. And I mean, so there's usually some historical reference. I found when I got to maybe about seven, eight years in with my organization that I started saying that because I, I had enough historical background of, okay, yeah, like, all right, yeah, we used to do a trivia night. Like, I'm not doing that again. Right. But it's almost like I, PTSD comes back to you. Like, oh, no, trivia night. <laughs> Don't you remember? Yeah. No, and especially no book sales. Right. Oh, but, gosh. But what I found is it's not so much that that idea is a disaster. It's what can we do differently that makes sense this time around? Or maybe this idea is like, maybe that really is a disaster and we shouldn't do that. But yes, that's you know. true. So it is balancing those two. So it's, it's kind of, it's not really necessarily the fear that something will change. It's, mm-hmm. I think, more fear of the unknown is what's going to happen after the change, that comfort so. level switch. Yeah. Although, I mean, moving into the change too can be painful. And it can be. And, it can be. You know. 
I was reading an article on Huffington Post about mm-hmm. this exact concept. It says, and one of the things I thought it was interesting, it noted, it says, it's not that people fear change because mm-hmm. they acknowledge in this article that they do, but it's they genuinely believe, and often maybe even on an unconscious level, that when you've been doing something a particular way for a long period of time, it obviously must be the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So the longer you've been doing it that way, the better it is. So therefore, by default, it's not about embracing the unknown. It's about giving up something old. So the fear is not necessarily they don't fear what the, what's the change will do in the future. It's they want to hold on to what they've got in the past. Oh, well, that makes sense because, I mean, you even look at, like, grant applications and, you know, how long has this been, you know, in existence? And, you, you know, you're really proud and you could say, oh, this has been in existence for 50, 60, 112 years. Right. You know, and there's that point of pride with doing the same thing for a long time, yeah. um, whether it's necessarily good or not. If we could say, well, we've been doing this for two years and it seems like it's pretty okay. Because when you hear of an event, for example, oh yeah, the the 150th your like, tie wow, special gala, that must be such a successful event. But mm-hmm. I'm curious if you peek behind the curtain, how much change has taken place over that 150 mm-hmm. years? Yeah, that's continued to help it be 150 years old. Yeah, well, and you have to have some sort of base of support to keep doing some things like that. But I mean, I even look at our gala. We're on our I think we're planning our 14th one now, which is you know kind of long for galas and. um there has been a significant change over the years. I mean, we went from, you know, past appetizers, you know, at a religious institution on a Sunday to a full-blown dinner with, you know, big band and... And wine. And um, lots of... Actually, open bar. Open I bar. would like an invitation to your you, event. You will be getting that <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> and anyone else who wants one, they will definitely find her on LinkedIn. It. That's right. <laughs> we will be talking about that. But yeah, I mean, it's huge difference. Also, huge difference in the amount of money we're bringing in. Well, and if we're nonprofits, that's important for your events. Absolutely. And I think the reason that people get into change is because they realize one of the things people do well with who are change agents like you and I are, we recognize that trends are changing. Mm-hmm. We recognize that our donors want something different or our board wants something different. And we're not so stuck in what's working now to, to, to not recognize what could be working in the future, how those trends might be going. Yeah. So by all means, it's great as a change agent if you are able to say, look, something's changed and now we need to react to it. But if you really want to be good at change, you're looking at historical trends, being able to try to predict the future of your organization, and you're making changes to keep ahead of it. So I think feel like you're saying you've got a crystal ball on your desk. I do. I do. It's a magic eight ball. They sell them at Walmart for like $9.99. You should actually I want one of those because it'd be so great. You know how many times people like board members will come in and they'll say, hey, what are we going to do in three years when this happens? And I'd love to just have it and shake it and go, I don't know, ask again. <laughs> that would be great. If I would like to get me that for Christmas, I will give That's you my good. address. Please mail it to me. I'd like to have one. They're hard to find, you know. They so, are. They, well, you know. Yeah, but, toy. There you go. So here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'm thinking that in order to give you as our listeners the best bang for your buck today on our podcast, it would be nice to be able to talk about change in reference to things that you can walk away right now and say, I want to make a change in this context and I need help managing it. And perhaps we can address some of those today. What do you think, Marjorie? I, I like that. I like that idea a lot. So uh, where would you like to start? Because you've had lots of experience in change too. What do you oh, think would man. be the easiest to start with? I feel like let's start with why, maybe like laying out the change. What? Why are we doing it? Right. Why right. are we changing? So I think the big thing that I hear whenever you're talking about making a change, especially if you're doing something that's in writing, like a policy mm. or a procedure, uh, something that everyone's really comfortable with and they've referenced on how to do something, mm-hmm. people need to understand the why yeah. behind the change, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Because, well, I think that gives people the 
background to understand, you know, what's, what's next, what the thinking went into it. And I think the other thing is, is it gives you a chance to get on board. Yeah. Because if you're just told, you know, from now on, we are going to all wear, you know, suits and ties all the time. New dress, new dress code, everybody. Dress this code. is, this is a thing that happens in nonprofit mm-hmm. management yeah. easily. New right? dress codes. Um, you know, you, you want to know why, like why all of a sudden do I have to get rid of my jeans and t-shirts and, you know, grubby clothes or whatever it is that you wear every day and be dressed up every day. And maybe you're, you've got an executive team that's decided that, you know, donors are in and out of this place all the time. And like, we look like garbage and right. that's affecting our perception of the community. So I think that if that's the case, then not only do we need to explain to them the why, but I think it's very important as the change leader, whoever that mm-hmm. is, whether uh, you're the executive or you're the person on the board that's making that change, or mm-hmm. sometimes you're a frontline person having to make that change with your team. It's important to be able to speak to the change clearly and confidently. Yes. And to be able to make sure that you're prepared for what that is going, how that's going to impact people. And so really coming in with all that information, you don't have to know everything, but you do have to know what you know Mm -hmm. really well and be able to identify when people ask you questions, what you don't know Mm -hmm. and don't, don't make it up. No. Because that ruins your credibility as a change leader. Yeah. It is okay to say, I don't know. It, it's per- <laughs> I've said it twice today already. Oh, man. I think I said it 70 times in the recent staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, just don't tell my husband because he thinks yeah. I do know everything. So that'll be our little secret. Oh, so okay. all of our listeners can't tell him that. <laughs> uh, I think it's also really important to be very upfront when you're making a change, like, like on a policy or procedure, mm-hmm. about the impact it's going to have. Mm-hmm. I feel like some people where they fall short, and if you're one of these people, just use it delicately. They try to sugarcoat the mm-hmm. impact because they're trying to be the Pollyanna, the go, you know, the gooey, gooey two oh, shoes, yeah. <laughs> the everything's going to be okay. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes yeah. people need to be able to freak out a little bit and mm-hmm. that's okay. Let them freak out a little bit and then bring them back together. Exactly. But it's important for it to be, to be upfront with what that impact looks like, to be able to say, here's the change. So going back to your great example, mm-hmm. here's the change. We're going to change our dress code. This is the reason why. And it's going to be starting on this day. So I need to make sure that you're ready and that you are able to go out and have the right amount of clothes to be able to have a five-day work week. Mm-hmm. It needs to be out there and be ready to go. Yeah. And we don't need to say, well, you know, maybe you can wear your dress-up jeans with your polo shirt. Right. right. And on special okay. occasions, we probably could do that because sometimes, you know, yeah. the day ends in Y and I understand that yeah. might be easier for you. And don't it's, do that. And it's really not my idea. This is someone else's idea. And so I'm on, I'm on your, I'm on your <laughs> side on this and yeah. it's all going to be, now you're just creating at, you know, animosity and you're mm-hmm. actually fueling uh, a backfire ready to yeah. happen. So I think good. that's, I think that's important too. Uh, what about, how do you feel like it's most effective when you're delivering change? Is it better big group setting one-on-one? Do you do a little bit of both? I think for me, it's a little bit of both. I mean, cause sometimes you have to have certain people on board. Like if you, you've got somebody that you know is going to be really effective or somebody that you know is going to be a real problem. Mm. Talk to them one-on-one first. Yeah. Um, say, so, you know, confidential, we're going to announce this at staff meeting, but you know, I wanted you to be in on the loop. That way you kind of get those people prepped for that. Yeah. And hopefully you're, you know, maybe building some team leaders or some cheerleaders for this idea. I think that's good because you're remembering that people process things differently. Mm -hmm. Some people are great at processing things quickly. Other people need to settle in and think about that. Mm -hmm. So 
by sharing it with, by knowing your people well, you can share that information strategically and say, hey, we're going to have a conversation about dress code, mm-hmm. even if you can't tell them the details. Yeah. Right now, I'm really not privileged at sharing details with you, but I know it's going to be a change in what we're used to. I need you to kind of wrap your head around what that might look like for you when I know more, I'll let you know. And then let's talk after the staff meeting mm-hmm. about some of the thoughts you might have. Yeah. And setting people up for success as opposed to there's nothing worse than having a change that directly impacts you and you finding out when everybody else does and it direct, indirectly impacts them. Yeah. Because people then turn and look for your reaction. Mm-hmm. And that's awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I think it's really important, too, when you are making a big change on a policy or a procedure, something that's going to impact a group like that, um, you want to ask questions. Don't just mm-hmm. answer them because people may be too stunned with the change yeah. to ask questions or they may feel like in the past perhaps challenging that change, you know, challenging change wasn't really allowed or encouraged. And so if you come prepared with some questions that you anticipate and then you say, okay, so what questions do we have? And you get that cricket sounding, mm-hmm. then you could say, so one of the questions I think that I would ask myself is what about Fridays? Can we have casual Fridays or you know, has that mm-hmm. been thought of? And then you'll hear, you'll see people nodding saying, oh yeah, I guess that was a question I wanted to ask. So come prepare with some questions and then don't just say, is everybody okay with this or what does everybody think? Ask specifically, say, so Marjorie, I know for you, you like live in your flip-flops. And so now we're not saying flip-flops anymore. What concerns does that have? Are you going to be able to be okay with this? What does that look like for you? Letting that person kind of process and and talking to certain people who you knew will be champions, especially, can really help bring the group together. I'm really stressed out by this example, by the way. Okay, sorry, sorry. Who, who, and this, which is hilarious because you'll, if you could see what's going on right now, she is dressed in the cutest dress today and is always dressed fabulous. So, but you took away my flip flops. I didn't mean to take away, but you can have them back here, here, take them back. That's right. Okay, good. All right. So what about managing change uh, in leadership? So we see Mm. this a lot in nonprofit management, especially where we see a turnover, either one of two things happens. One, uh, we're changing leadership structure. So we're moving people around Mm -hmm. and different seats on the bus than they used to be, but same people in the bus. Mm -hmm. Or two, a few people have gotten off at the bus stop Mm -hmm. and we're bringing in new people. Or we're thrown off the bus. Well, sometimes we give them the opportunity to get off the bus in Mm -hmm. a forceful way. That's Yeah. (laughs) Because we really want them to be successful just somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. That's a good thing. Right. We'll do a show on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you open the exit door in the back of the bus and you back up and then you hit the brakes really hard and they fly out the back and they're not sure what happened. And the rest of your group just holds on tight. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what they feel like when yeah. sometimes when leadership changes. So uh, different approaches to change management when it comes to leadership change. So I think one of the, the big things is making sure that first level underneath is good. Like everybody knows. Everybody, so the immediate direct report. Yeah, immediate direct group. reports, you know, have this this idea before you make the big staff announcement. Yeah. You know, if you can do that, I think that that really helps. Because that's not awkward at all when you go to a big staff meeting, you find yeah. out your supervisor no longer works here because yeah. they decided to, quote, pursue other opportunities mm-hmm. effective immediately, which <laughs> I love that phrase. Uh, and you're, and everyone's looking at you and you're like, okay, so, uh, I've got this due and they were supposed to approve this and mm-hmm. they have three things that are to sign. One of them, by the way, is my mileage reimbursement. Who's mm-hmm. signing it? Yeah. There's like so angst and panic. Yeah. And, what's going to happen in the interim at least, you know? Right. Because <laughs> as soon as that meeting's over and you think the conversation's over, it's not. Yeah. It's just they're begun. Be in your office anyway. They're so. in your office. They're in the corner. <laughs> they're now they're wasting productivity time mm-hmm. because they're talking about something that could have been addressed and handled well. Yeah. So well, and there's nothing worse than that after the meeting meeting of not you with that employee, but that employee and their direct reports trying to figure it out or their that employee and 
you know, the cleaning team or, you know, starting that gossip mill, which is really, really dangerous. And, you know, in a leadership change, that's tough because you want to share what's going on. A lot of times since it's an employee issue, you can't share everything that's going on. And sometimes it's great. It's like, hey, Susie's pregnant. And getting ready to have a baby and has decided that she wants to be a stay at home mom. And everyone's like so happy for Susie. That's great. And kind of jealous because she's wearing flip flops every day. And yeah. we're like, yay, we want to, you know, be We're happy for Susie. And sometimes, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, or Susie just went and got the, you know, new CEO job at the or bigger organization yeah. up the street. And we're really happy. And for we're her. happy for her. We're going to work her. with her. Right. Hey, but but she's it's, over there. <laughs> so what about the times when it's not so great? So mm-hmm. we have those opportunities that we do help people off the bus because mm-hmm. they need some extra help. And perhaps as senior leaders, we may know that that change was necessary. But it doesn't mean everyone's going to be happy about it because some yeah. people really like that person because it's a nice person. They were nice. They mm-hmm. always let them off early on the Fridays or they yeah. were just fun to hang out with socially or they were easy to work with. But yeah. they didn't know what they didn't know behind the scenes of oh, which yeah. from an HR lens, that's, that's a good cool. thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that means that they're not happy that Sam doesn't work here anymore mm-hmm. and they want to tell somebody about it. Oh, yeah. And I think you, you've got this problem doubly if you have volunteers. Yes. Because, that's a great point. Yeah. Because, I mean, they get attached to people. Yeah. Which, because relationships, relationships, relationships. Right. So that, you know, if the person was doing their job at all, they have some relationships that you have to manage after that person's gone. And I think that that's, that's really, really tough. So you've got to prepare for that emotional baggage. Prepare for what, what you're going to say. Because I think sometimes you have to be a broken record. Mm-hmm. Especially in a situation like I have. I've got 200 volunteers. You know, 50 of them like, you know, maybe Mike. And maybe. 50 of them like, you know, our development director. You right. Know? So if I were to move any of those people off of our bus, which I would really like to not do, but maybe someday. Right. It might have to happen. So then you have to manage that. Yeah. That's and, tough. Yeah. So, cause you, you have to give the same answer over and over. It's almost like survivor and someone's been <laughs> voted off and some people in the jury are happy and some mm-hmm. people are not. And exactly. They only know what they know. They didn't know what happened back mm-hmm. in camp, but they can see what happened at tribal council after yeah. and they're not too thrilled about that. Sorry. Yeah. Survivor is coming up and it's starting again. Soon, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty super excited. <laughs> uh, but you know, to have a plan, be prepared, make sure and be prepared that people are going to test your plan. Uh, they're mm-hmm. going to challenge your plan on, uh, especially if you're making uh, moves of people on different seats on the bus. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's going to be some animosity. There's going to be some jealousy. There's going to be some feelings involved. Um, there's going to be the, I really like working for Marjorie, except for Marjorie uh, does not like to micromanage. And I need a micromanager. Mm-hmm. So I'm really panicked about this. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have some of that going on whenever you move people around and just, I think just being aware of what that might look like and, and being yeah. prepared for it. You won't be prepared for everything, but if you can know what you can know, that might help. But that does help big time. I think the biggest thing too, when you get into that change leadership mode is to not be held hostage. Mm. So you and I have seen this happen before where leadership changes and someone's like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to make sure that I get what I need to get out of this. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go with my new leader right away and say, so we need to have Margarita Fridays from now on because idea. this, this, and this, and the other manager wouldn't do it. And if you're not going to do Margarita Fridays, then I'm going to have to be off every Friday <laughs> because I need my Margarita. I and- mean, it seems like a reasonable request. I don't know why you would turn that down. <laughs> But oh, let's say you want but let's to pretend. <laughs> let's just pretend like alcohol is not appropriate in your workplace. Um, I think it's the idea is to make sure that you're not being held hostage. You want to allow for the solid answers you can, mm-hmm. but you want to make some creative loopholes. Mm-hmm. So you say, wow, Margarita Fridays. 
that sounds like a very creative plan. And I'm going to have to look into legal to make sure that they would be okay with that. But let me explore it. Mm -hmm. So you didn't say no. You didn't say no. And we pretty much know what legal is going to say when that comes back or HR or whoever you want to put in together, right? Insurance isn't going to be a fan. Right, right. Maybe we can have Margarita Fridays and Margarita Fridays falls on Cinco, Cinco de, Mayo. de Mayo. Oh. And then we only have that problem once every seven years. Though. Right. We'll I probably like, get around that. I like that. And and depending on your nonprofit, every five to seven years, there's a lot of times there's a leadership shift. <laughs> you can be caught by that. You can be caught by that. Right. <laughs> then let, let the next person deal with it. Right. So, but the one thing I would say is, you know, do, do take responsibility for the decisions you're making too. Agreed. Like, if you have to, like sometimes you do have to say, I've got to run it by legal. Like I don't love that idea. I will go to bat for it, but I do have to run it by. And sometimes, you know, the decision. It doesn't work out right but sometimes you know margarita fridays isn't gonna work no as much as i would love it i would love it too in fact i would love to make it like a tradition Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't happen so we don't have a blender here that's really the problem i I could fix that at the next show by the way so (laughs) the next show uh the next one-on-one you hear you use a blender in background it might be wine slushes uh so speaking of traditions Mm. i think this is a sensitive one too so if uh, you're listening today and you're thinking nally and marjorie these are great Mm -hmm. But I need help making change in some traditions because they are really an anchor to our organization because mm-hmm. we've always done blank. Yeah. And now I'm trying to shake this up and it's like, I just, I just want to change from number 10 envelopes to number nine envelopes. I mean, something very simple. It's still an envelope and everyone's freaking out on me. And well, I mean, you know, maybe you could go with bigger envelopes, you, the paper better. I, you could put a number nine in and wear it with it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> you know what I was thinking about when we talked about this was our Christmas potluck. Tell me. We, this is a potluck now, y'all. This always. Is, that tells you this is what change happens when you're talking <laughs> about nonprofits. When we, it all comes back to food, food. right? So go ahead. We always did a Christmas potluck where everybody brought the traditional ethnic food of their choosing. So the Polish person, me, brought the pierogi. Okay. And then somebody else brought lumpia. And okay. somebody else brought lasagna whatever how very very cool but i suspect the grinch stole your potluck well you know we kind of realized that we are working really hard at the year end with the fundraising and the preparing for the event and the also nobody's here Um, the pierogies yeah so we um we were talking about it a couple years ago we started talking about well maybe we should do something different and you know mine's i did not have money to pay for dinner another lunch for the staff because we we do treat our employees fairly well but it was like "Mm, christmas mm." right um so we went through one year where, you know, everybody on staff, not everybody, we had two people on staff who were very, very, very entrenched in this is, this is what we do. This is tradition. This is, we have a potluck and we do a, say like, put it on the roof. We should be singing in the background. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> now last year, those two employees were gone. We're sitting around the table trying to talk about that what we're going to do. That is one way to fix tradition. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talking about what we're going to do. Some, somehow the idea came up that we should go out to the, you've ever been to the Brazilian place where they bring around the meat on the stick? Yes. We should go there for Christmas. And everybody loved that idea. Oh, neat. And everybody agreed to pay for their own. Okay. And it actually cost each of us less than potlucks it cost us. Oh, look at that. Which was amazing. So, so sometimes you can 
know what the tradition is. I think that's a big thing. I yeah. think when you have to or you're thinking of changing, I think the biggest emotional hurt in the mm-hmm. change is that people think that well, you're not respecting the tradition. You mm-hmm. don't even know what it is. You don't yeah. understand that in 1902, when our organization was founded, <laughs> we had pizza for Christmas. And mm-hmm. so this is why we have to have pizza for Christmas because it's so I think once you, you have to know that first before you go in because you will be challenged mm-hmm. as you will in any change. Yeah. And if you don't understand the tradition inside and out, it's, it's going to cost you. Yeah. yeah, it really does. You know, and talking about mission-based facts that support the train change now in my example that yeah, there's nothing there. I mean, we well, there was, there was the idea that you've already been paying. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a financial standpoint, you've Mm -hmm. already been, you already have lunches involved Mm -hmm. or, you know, paybacks involved. And so financially it wasn't fiscally responsible for you to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea that you still wanted to celebrate fellowship to Mm -hmm. be able to meet your mission of being able to work together. And so even though it was a little light, it it was, it was pretty good. (laughs) So some of the traditions a little harder, like we always have the theme be puppies and and kitties. Yeah. Because that's what we do. We always have a puppy and a kitty. And mm-hmm. so now we want to change it to something else. But you don't understand yeah. this whole thing started because the person who started this event 30 years ago loved her puppy and her kitty. And so that's why this was called the Puppy and Kitty Fashion Show. Actually, our founder loved Oh, the founder syndrome. Yes. <laughs> who we love and respect, y'all. Uh, shout out. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> Elevate the founders. That's right. Uh, because we know you went to H and back to get us here, right? Uh, but sometimes you have to reach your knowledge, you know it, but you have to understand that you have mission-based facts. So mm-hmm. that worked then, but our donors... Mm-hmm. are responding to this type of marketing mm-hmm. or that worked when we had that grant from uh, the ABC puppy and kitty mm-hmm. food company, but we don't have that grant mm-hmm. anymore. And so it doesn't make fiscal responsible sense to be able to do that and give them a shout out because that's not even our primary funder. Our primary like. funder is a widget <laughs> company. And so yeah. we need to think about what do they want mm-hmm. from that? So uh, really looking at how different people who who have that say in or that buy in. Yeah. Um, and I think the big thing too, I find people will accept no from people who don't have the authority really to say no. Yes. When it comes to changing traditions. Mm-hmm. So well, I think that's that kind of group think sometimes yes. is you know you get the everybody around the table and you've got the one person that's willing to speak up and say no. And everybody else is kind of like, I don't really care. Like, this, right. like I don't care. Puppies, but yeah, we're kitties, listening. widget, whatever you want. Right. But you've got this person. This person's really vocal. And technically, they don't have the authority mm-hmm. to be able to say, no, we're not making that change. Yeah, but I don't want to confront them. I don't want to confront them either. So <laughs> how you fix that if you're like, but Natalie, Marjorie, how do we fix that? Here it is. Here's the secret. Find the people who have the authority to say yes to mm-hmm. your change. Get them on board first. Mm-hmm. Get them talking. Get them talking. If they're not going to be in the announcement of it or the group of it, make sure that you have their buy-in so that you can say, I have talked to to Bob and to Jan, uh, both of which you know are crucial funders in this particular program. This is what we have come up with that we would like to do. These are the mission-based facts that support the change, and we're excited that you'll be on board with us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very hard to argue when the people who have the authority to say yes have already said yes. Yeah, which is, yeah, Bob and Jane said yes. Yeah, well, yeah we're in, right? <laughs> Uh, and just be prepared. Uh, listen to feedback. Yeah. Make sure you listen. Some- <laughs> right. Uh, and, and be comfortable with what to do if it doesn't work. Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't, they're going to be like, well, we tried to tell you. <laughs> we tried to tell you 14 years ago this didn't work and you wouldn't listen to us. And so just be prepared. If it doesn't work as grand as you think, uh, what's the re- repercussions from that to make sure it's not mission essential? Well, and you know, the thing is, is that like, I think half of life, half of working is making mistakes and correcting mistakes. Yeah. Make a mistake, correct mistakes. And yeah, we're, it's going to happen to all of us. It's going to happen to the best of us and be okay with that. You know, you, we know that's going to happen. 
I think the problem that I find a lot of times when I, we start bringing up the topic of change is that people think that change is scary, change is bad, but the reality really is change is healthy for an organization. And I want to share with you before we wrap up for the day, this great uh, piece that was in the YPN of Denver's uh, website. Mm-hmm. And it was an example of how change can be really detrimental if you don't do it. Oh, yeah. And so they were talking about a controversy of changing. Here's the, you, you talked about your potluck being small. Are mm-hmm. you ready for this? They wanted to change client postcards mm-hmm. to client lettered envelopes. Mm-hmm. So their letter would actually go into an envelope or their postcard would go into an envelope. It's like 36 we're, cents more. We're, we're literally adding <laughs> an envelope to the process. <laughs> now, they had great reasons behind this. So we talked about mission essential facts, mm-hmm. client confidentiality. So mm-hmm. lots of change in the organization since the 20-year tradition they'd been doing it. HIPAA started. Right, <laughs> right. And so they really wanted to be more sensitive to client information. Mm-hmm. And they said this is a way that clients are telling us they want more confidentiality. Add the envelope, problem solved. Very, very minor change. <laughs> Ended up being a huge headache for the management because of the backlash they got. Are you ready? From the, who do you think? Volunteers. Here we go. There's Marjorie's. Like right. the envelopes. And- <laughs> no, it actually had nothing to do. It had nothing to do with the extra steps. Here's what the, here's the part that was crazy. Things in this organization never changed. Mm. They never made changes. They'd always done things the same way year after year. No changes had been made. How many years ago did they close? Yeah, right. (laughs) So when something minor would come up, such as this, it was a very big deal. And management really had allowed the organization to practically become stagnant and just will continue to, to, you know, status quo, whatever happened. And everyone was so focused on getting their tasks done. They didn't think about how could we make changes to improve the system or the service or the organization. So while the volunteers and staff should have realized these are just kind of envelopes and not that big of a difference, they hadn't been prepared for change at all, no matter how small it was. And so they overreacted. Man, I I can't imagine that kind of of hubbub over Over an envelope. envelope. Yeah, because man. Heaven forbid they get faced with something big like the Department of Labor, Fair Labor Standards Act. (laughs) Right. And get something huge. So this just really goes back to reinforce the reason we started this particular show and wanted to address it because Mm -hmm. change is really healthy. If you're not making changes in your nonprofit, it could actually be more detrimental to your organization over time and hurt your mission as opposed to what you think you are doing is preserving and helping and saving, if you will, the integrity of your mission. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I encourage you to get out there and make change. So As skilled change agents, maybe as a wrap-up today, Marjorie, Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about our personal secret into managing change within a nonprofit, something that works really well for you that you tend to go to a lot. I think the most important thing that you can do as a change agent leader is to walk the walk. So when you say, we're going to make this change... That means we are going to make this change. And that, that includes you. It means you're not wearing flip-flops either anymore. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, so it's hard on me. It's hard on you. Like, I get it. Like, we're all in this together. Because if you get the exception, um, well, you know, forget it. Right. You know, that's, I mean. It, People because, look to you for yeah. that leadership. Yeah. Regardless so. of what level you are in the organization. So exactly. in your case, you're the, you're the leader of your organization. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I feel that that applies across the board. Don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're making a change. You got to take everybody with you. Right. If you're the development director and you say we are no longer sending emails to our clients, we are sending them postcards or whatever it is. And you have mission based (laughs) that supports and says that's what your your donors want. That's fine. But then don't be going and sending emails Mm -hmm. behind everyone's (laughs) back and saying, but it's so much more convenient. 
You got to, I agree with you. That's a good one. Which is hard. What about you? What's your secret? So for me, I always look for who my, um, you might say your unassigned leaders are in your organizations. They may not have a leadership title, Mm -hmm. but everyone follows them. Yep. They're the person that's been there the longest. They're the person that knows where they know, you know what, this is the person that knows where the legal size paper is. Uh, Yes. That's a great one. (laughs) These are the people who uh, have the untold leadership. People follow them Mm -hmm. uh, because they'll say the things maybe that no one else will say. Mm -hmm. They may have longevity in the organization. They may have almost, um, uh, they're the loudest people in the organization. Mm -hmm. So I go to them first. Yeah. Get their buy-in, ask them questions, help them lead me to the answer that I need it to end as. Mm -hmm. And then whenever I sit down, I can say, so Marjorie and I actually talked about this already. and We think it's a good idea. So that's some ways that I can sell. But other than that, if it's in a group, I will stand behind it. But I will know that Marjorie and I've already had a talk. And if I need to ask a question, I'll say, Marjorie, do you have questions? And Marjorie will be all for it and positive yeah, and like, this is awesome. Right. And bringing it in. So I find those unassigned leaders and make sure that, that you're, they're on your side. You've answered their questions. They're, they're championing you and supporting you and use those relationships carefully because mm-hmm. you want to make sure that, you know, that doesn't backfire in the end. So Ooh, big time. Yeah. Well, I think as far as a change go, we went four minutes over time. So, so that's a process improvement that we can work on. Yeah. We're all right. So it's a podcast. The good news is we are both still on the bus. Exactly. Nobody's <laughs> fired us yet. No. Mike, Mike's giving us the walk. Mike's giving us the wrap it up. Uh, but so thank you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. Uh, 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever it is that you use to listen to podcasts. You know, you found us like subscribe to us. Make sure yeah. you get us every week. Leave us some feedback too. Like we got, we got some good feedback on the thank you notes. Somebody oh. was like, I have been wanting to do thank you notes and now I can, I have an idea. And I was like, isn't the car idea fantastic? That's awesome. So yeah, we want to help it. you. That's why we're here at <laughs> Marjorie and I do this because we love to volunteer. We love to give back. We love bringing people on the show mm-hmm. that can give back to you. So let us know what you want to hear so we can make the most of your listening uh, time. Absolutely. And you can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. So thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.